Welcome to the Strength Culture Podcast. All right, guys. Today I got Ian Marco on the podcast. You have to forgive me. Um, Ian is sort of re-breaking my podcast skills in because I can't even tell you when the last time I did a podcast was. <laughs> but I thought this would be perfect timing um, as you are visiting uh, Strength Culture here soon, which I'm sure we'll go into detail and talk about quite a bit. But um, you know, I wanted to take the opportunity to sit down and obviously talk with you. Uh, we've had a lot of crossover for probably a lot of years now, honestly, um, and probably more so th was it maybe probably more so through David, uh, maybe even Angus that I think we've had a little bit more closer interaction over the years. So I'm really excited to kind of sit down, pick your brain, uh, learn about you, learn about what you do and, and how you, uh, you know, how you arrive where you're at. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys this. So again, forgive me, guys, if uh, my podcast skills are a little lacking today i'll brush up on them but uh i'm sure it'll be a really great conversation so welcome again ian yeah thanks so much for having me i really appreciate you having me on especially breaking it back in I think you're, you're gonna do great i hope so man no pre <laughs> no pressure for me no pressure yeah. you know i i just kind of go with it so i just like talking about training honestly it's probably one of my favorite things to do it is like the shop talk kind of thing is really one of my favorite things to do and this is probably really the more appropriate setting to do it in than, you know, uh, little clips on Instagram. So <laughs> yeah, I'm looking absolutely. forward to it. So tell me a little bit about you, you know, um, how, how long you've been in the industry, how you got into the industry, um, you know, athletic background, like kind of the whole the whole spill of, of like how how did Ian get to where Ian is today? <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So uh, we'll start off like real brief uh, growing up. Um, I was pretty athletic, not like, uh, you know, NFL combine athletic or anything like that. Uh, more so skilled, great first step, played basketball growing up. Um, I was a point guard and a shooting guard. I can shoot really well. Um, I was a bad kid, you know, like a lot, lot, of, lot of getting in trouble, class clown, um, and I uh, eventually got kicked off of the basketball team as a high school junior. I got back on as a senior and then I quit. Um, so that was kind of my, my athletic career. And then I ended up getting really into, you know, intramurals, things like that. And just ma basically maintaining a basketball run um, is really important where I'm at in my life right now. Um, and then, um, sorry, can, can you hear my, 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 my kids screaming in the background? Is that nope. And I'm okay. sure people won't mind if they do. We, okay, cool. we both have them okay, so cool. you know well mine's yeah. not sitting here in my office with me but okay, i'm sure cool. people can empathize all right cool so yeah so there, there, there's there's high school um coming up um from there i uh i went to ucf um in orlando which is a great school um then left ucf decided to follow a friend that was very successful um to new york city once i got in new york city needed a job ended up getting a job at a gym uh, became a personal trainer, kind of just luckily fell in love with what I was doing and found my passion. Um, and I've been training my whole life, you know, like obviously through, uh, you know, always trying to be good at basketball, always just keeping up with regular training. So it was kind of an easier transition. And then obviously realizing where you are on the Dunning-Kruger effect, 
that I don't know anything and that I really have to learn. Got obsessed with it. I had a couple of jobs in New York City that were really cool. So I worked at Goldman Sachs, which was the bank. So like, you know, right across from the World Trade Center in New York City. Um, I got paid to sit at a desk and kind of monitor the gym. And then I also trained certain hours. So while everybody else was like, you know, doing whatever on their phone or what, I was like in there studying. Unfortunately, I was studying a lot of teenage and stuff, stuff that wouldn't be so useful lately. Yeah. But there was some gems in there, of course. Um, you know, still hit some crazy eights on the bicep curls and stuff like that. So I learned a lot doing that, which is really, really crucial to get paid and learn while you're doing it. Um, and then I also worked at uh, Google, um, which was a really cool job. Uh, shout out to Scott. When I was there, you know, I was the guy that would uh, go in, get the free breakfast, the waffles, the free cold brew. I would take a nap in the nap pod and then I would go work one hour and leave. That was probably the best job ever. Um, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly how you think. Like there was ping pong tables, all the cool stuff that you think about Google. Like a typical um, tech kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool. And then, um, you know, I, I taught a lot of group fitness. I think that's an important part of my journey because, um, you know, just kind of realizing, man, like I'm giving one exercise to 20 people. This is not going very well for 17 of them. Uh, also the other idea that it's like, all right, there's three progressions. Uh, let me show you all three. You look up and everybody in the room is doing the third one at Goldman Sachs. Cause it's like, you have to run yourself into the ground just to be there. Uh, so that was also a really good lesson through group fitness. Um, but from there, I basically ended up at a physical therapy clinic, um, Fabian Garcia, uh, who was my mentor for a while, kind of outgrew each other. Um, but I learned so much from him and it showed me that side of things which is kind of where I'm at right now in a lot of ways. Uh, like I was just telling you before we got on the pod, like the amount of different people that I train at this point is crazy. Um, you know, such a wide spectrum of people, whether it's an athlete, a mom, uh, you know, there's just so many examples of different people. And I think being able to see rehab at that level and train athletes at the pro level, seeing all that across the whole spectrum has been really just invaluable for me. And maybe even the most valuable thing about it has honestly been being able to see the similarities across those different populations. The idea that everybody needs to learn how to hinge. Everybody can improve their their, their breathing in a lot of ways. We all need to sleep better, you know? So um, just like all the great coaches out there, including yourself, um, looking across different systems and then finding the things that are the most important that keep showing up time and time again, that prove themselves to be exactly where you need to be because they just the overlap wouldn't be there if you weren't onto something. So um, now I'm in Miami, Florida, two days a week, and I live in Delray Beach, which is an hour north. Basically, most people think about it as Boca, one city north of Boca. And um, I do a lot of online stuff. We have an online course. Um, I train clients online. I have a subscription model, online classes, programs. Um, but honestly, I think if one thing was learned through the pandemic is, yeah, you can be successful online. But there's nothing that will replace getting the reps and coaching in person, um, whether it's the energy of the room, like what you got going on with the football or just being so close to someone that you can really talk to them on that level or, uh, you know, something as simple as watching someone hinge and just getting the back view to see what's going on at the pelvis. So um, I really miss that. And I really think it's a crucial part, especially now nowadays where it's so so common to be, oh, let me teach you how to make $100,000 as an online trainer, but I'm actually not a good coach anyway. 
Uh, so I'm really, uh, really big on that right now. And, uh, I'm also a new father. So probably my greatest, greatest job yet. Uh, my son Maverick (laughs) is, uh, is closing in on one year and, uh, I mean, it's just the best. It is the best. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You touched on a lot of things here that, uh, I wrote down because one, I, I, if, if, you know, everyone who knows me knows I can easily go off on a tangent and get sidetracked on stuff. So maybe the maybe the worst podcaster in the world, maybe the best. Who knows? We'll see what happens with that. But um, the first thing I kind of want to talk about that you touched on there is, you know, well, first I'll say it's very interesting listening to you sort of talk about your um, sort of your career, like how you've come to where you are now and how your career has sort of moved along because it's kind of similar to mine. Um, I didn't work at Google, but, um, you know, I, I kind of dabbled in like lots of areas of fitness for a while, predominantly CrossFit. And then, um, later, you know, kind of branched out a little bit through that, but then later, uh, I would say that my first real sort of exposure into kind of what I do now or, or the populations that I kind of tend to blend into now, um, I work for a physical therapist. And so that was a very interesting experience because, you do get the opportunity to work with people that, you know, could be deemed more or less like if you had a, if you had a scale of like function, you know, of like dysfunction and performance, like dysfunction being on one side and performance being on the other, or you could just say dysfunction on one side and full function on the other, um, working sort of with the population that would be more biased towards like dis quote unquote, like dysfunction, not to label people as like dysfunctional, but just to give people like a sort of concept and a way to understand like what they're dealing with, because a lot of trainers don't really understand that population well. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, you have a lot of therapists and stuff that don't really understand the training aspect well. So it is an inter- it's interesting that you, yours, it's, you know, similarly mirrored mine um, in that respects, because it's probably a lot, it probably has a lot to do with why we kind of sh- share and cross over the populations that we do. Um, which makes a lot of sense now kind of hearing about that. So um, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about here is like your experience with group fitness versus personal training, because I have done both. Um, both can obviously be, you can be very successful doing either one, but I kind of want to talk about it because I want to sort of see your, or hear your take on your approach to one versus the other, because, you know, the problem that you sort of, Uh, I think hit the nail on the head with is that oftentimes when you are doing group training, you kind of have to look out and see like how many people are actually benefiting and doing the thing that you ask them to do like effectively, right? Like obviously everyone's doing some version of what you probably showed them. Um, But, you know, it is obviously a little bit more difficult in that setting or it could be considered to be more difficult in that setting to sort of uh, hone in on like, certain details and technique and things you want to do, especially if you're running a group class, you're usually running it by yourself. Right. So, um, you know, what's your experience there and, and, and sort of with personal training and group fitness and how did you sort of manage the, the quote unquote, I'll just call the problem of group fitness where it is still slightly more intimate than, you know, maybe online coaching or something like that, especially if you do like a membership, but um, but compared to personal training, which obviously you, you get a lot of sort of one-on-one, um, what's your kind of experience there? Yeah. 
So first, um, kind of funny, we uh, when we got off of our call, my brother was like, yeah, it seems like you'd really get along with Jeff. And I was like, yeah, I feel like uh, we're, we're kind of very similar. He's just like five times stronger than me. And my brother was laughing. <laughs> so I'm a terrible cool. basketball player, though, so it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll shoot. You'll, you'll bang in the boards, OK? Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so that really common. I honestly think that being and teaching in a group setting is actually harder in a lot of ways, especially I think there's kind of two distinct ones that we could break it down with. So more so I'm just going to use you as an example for obvious reasons you're here, but like uh, that, that those hype, like how I commented on your page the other day, the hype sessions with the gym, right? The, the energy in the room, the influence of, I need to go harder. I need to push it. I'm going to PR because someone's yelling at me. I train these two baseball kids. They love to do like the velo slap, right? So like that becomes such a positive thing in that context. Now at Goldman Sachs, when, um, you know, your coworkers next to you and they're doing two more burpees per minute per than you, it actually becomes kind of a negative thing oftentimes because your wrists suck and you're trying to go too hard. Now you have a wrist injury. So it, it, the context really matters as always. And I think there are two distinct groups. I think that it's very difficult. Like people, especially personal trainers, underestimate how hard that job is of going in there and training a whole team. And uh, like something like a Campo deadlift, something like an arm bar, like show me teaching an arm bar to 40 football players that are in high school. Like that shit is going to be really worth it or an absolute nightmare. And it depends yeah. who's in the room. So like you kind of have to lower expectations in a lot of ways, I think, in both scenarios, specifically to like teaching that mobility class or that that hit class. One of the things that I realized after a while is like forget even showing the third progression. Because the, set, the the two people in the class that actually are there, like they're probably not doing it that well anyway. So like, I'll just take away the progression so you have no option. And then they're forced to do that, which I think is is also a really like, not to go on a tangent, but a really good way to run your online programming. That's a, yeah. a lesson I'm learning lately. Some people don't need options and it actually overwhelms no. them. No, so, and I'll be pretty transparent. I made that mistake. I made that mistake uh, with my programming where I tried to give people more options. I tried to give people more stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I realized probably a year down the road of like me having all these options and then trying to keep up with all these options and then trying to keep everybody sort of like, you know, together and whatever. It's like, you it's, it's very easy to lose track because just so at that point, so many, especially as time goes by and more people are joining, it's like so many people are doing so many different things at different phases and times. And it's like, we, we we don't really need all of this, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm actually have been and I'm in the process of like, kind of cutting a lot out and sort of um, same here, same yeah, here. because Thank because you. that's it. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100. Honestly, you're gonna get someone that's so happy. Like I meet people all the time. Like I'm training someone right now in person. They started off with their membership. They loved the options. They loved learning all that stuff. They were so into it. And then when they met me, they knew a little bit about everything and we took it to the next level. But for every one of those, you're going to have 20 people that open it up and they go, yep. uh, this is too much. I don't know what to do. Okay. All right. Cancel. I'm out. So from a business perspective, absolutely. Like, unless you really are okay with having less and you're just seeking out the nerds or maybe more accurately, you're seeking out other coaches then now we're talking about something all together. And I think that just like when you're doing your marketing for Instagram, it's so easy to get caught up in talking to other coaches. 
when if that's oh, not yeah. your mark, you should really be talking to regular people, which is why for us, what we did as a business is my page is starting to go more towards talking to those coaches, higher level concepts, um, you know, look at this picture. What do you guys see? That kind of stuff. And then our MTS page, our business page is like, Hey, here's a class clip. Like try this. If you need to work on your hips, like see if that works for you or you should do zone two because everybody should, you know, th things like that. Um, and, and making it a little bit more streamlined, a little bit easier. And I think that's a good strategy, especially long-term. Yeah, that's smart. That sounds, that's, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Like for me, when I like the football team, it, it was a bit of a learning curve again, because it had been so long that I had taught a group so large. Um, and like, like, yeah, 40 kids is like, a, that's a lot of kids, like a large group is a lot of people's like, oh, 10, 12, 15 people, you know, 20, maybe max, but, but like 40 kids is a lot of work. Um, and what I sort of did was, you know, the, the thing about athletes is that the, what I, what I have found, maybe not always the case, but most often the case is like the same guys that just have a high level of movement IQ within their sport typically will have a pretty good movement IQ in the weight room as well. They just know how to move. Yeah. Right. And so I can, there, there are a handful of players or maybe more that, that just understand what I'm teaching very simply. Like they get it off the bat. And then I kind of have them sort of help lead or help run sort of the session, right? Or um, what I like to do a lot is sort of involve them in the coaching of the training, yeah. right? So like I make them accountable for what their teammates are doing. Um, and I have things in place where like you, like the expectation is that you hold your teammates accountable. It's like, I don't need to be the one going around the room telling 40 guys like, and I will, I have, if I have to, but like, you don't, that weight's too heavy or, you know, the technique, like I actually put the accountability on the, 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 the players at their stations and be like, what do you guys see? What do you guys think? Like, this is your teammate. Do you think that that's an approach? You know what I mean? And they, and this team is very good um, at helping with that, helping manage that and, and sort of, so, so that kind of worked for these, this group. I'm not saying that would work for all groups, but for this group in particular, um, it did seem to work. It's also a very high level team. So the, the, the general just IQ of football and, and training in general is, is just much higher than probably, you know, your average high school. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I helped manage this was I, I kind of like just took, took the ones that understood a little bit better with what I was saying, or a little bit more training experience and kind of then put them in positions where they're like, responsible for their teammates but also you know keeping each other accountable and i think that that helps a lot like because i will like I, i'll have guys like you know if they miss reps or stuff like that like i'll i'll say at the beginning of the session and it, and it will like i'll be like hey if we miss reps today like you'll miss you'll miss your next workout like period end of story and these guys don't want to miss a workout so they'll, so they won't miss a rep you know what i mean so so i do have things in place that kind of check it but it it can be it, it, it is very hard. Like training a bunch of people is, is quite hard. And I think that's why, like when you walk into a CrossFit class or F45 class, it's like, you have to empathize a little bit. Yeah. It's a shit show because it's just, it's like very hard to keep in quality control with like a mass number of like a, like a large group of people. It just is.
You know yeah, I, mean? I think so. I think what you're describing is really, and it's kind of uh, too perfect. But you're you're basically describing you're not really building a, a workout or a, or a training program. You're building a culture. So yeah, hundred percent. Because I also recognize that these kids are going to go to D one schools. Most all these kids, and they're going to get thrown into the mix with a hundred other kids, and it's going to be a bigger group. Yeah. And yeah, you may have a strength and conditioning staff with like eight, 10, 12 people on it, but no, no one is stopping you from, from doing something stupid. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like not really. And it's just, e it's too easy to get that kind of oversight, right? Like it's just, it's, and you know how, you know how teenage boys are, like, it's yeah. just the way it is. So it's like, I, I do my best to really just teach that, like educate them on like the importance of not training like a, like a jerk. You know what I mean? Like take care of your body. Training is a means to an end. A lot of these kids play football because they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, um, improve the quality of their life and the resources and, and access and things like this. So it's like, don't ruin it because you're not a power lifter. And even if you were, they're not going to make as much money as you. So it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, like what the, the kid that's right in the middle of all the squats is probably gonna jump the highest anyway. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Usually, usually <laughs> there's the freak is going to be the freak no matter what. Yeah. Another, yeah. Another thing on that was when, when I, when I first started training, I would kind of watch, especially some of the bigger strength coaches that would train groups. And I remember looking and being like, how could this strength coach let this person have a rep like that? That rep looks terrible. And it's like, because there's 40 people in the room and 10 of them are doing it like that. Like you yeah. can say something, but you don't have that one-on-one -on -one and that's what makes it harder. And um, you know, you just, you kind of lower expectations and I think you build in safety guides. So like yep. things like using constraints, things like building that culture of having the teammates do it. The two, uh, these two baseball kids that I train their brothers and, you know, I'll do the exact same thing. I'll go up to one of the brothers while he's in the Copenhagen plank and I'll say, Hey, what is he doing wrong? What could he do better? And it's hilarious. Cause they'll literally come back and like, it'll sound like their parents. They'll like cue him the exact same words that I cued them. Cause they remembered the cue. And I'm like, my job is done here. I am. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always been my process as a coach and trainer is I'm, I'm always educating the client. I'm trying to get them to see what I like through my eyes more or less. Right. And it's like, I feel like I've done my job. I've really done my job when they can kind of take control and take the lead on things. Um, it's funny because I have a, a girl here, um, Natalie, um, she trains out here. She's young, 17, but she's been training for quite a few years now. She's very strong. Um, and it's funny because Angus was here and uh, I wrote a workout for her and she came in and she like writes the workout up on the board and Angus is standing there and, and, and Kian and I kind of, I look at the board and I was like, that that's not the workout that I wrote for you. Like she had, she had changed one of the exercises or something. She goes, yeah, I know. She was like, but uh, I had her doing back squats and she's like, yeah, but I decided I like wanted to do front squats today. And I was just kind of like, all right, you know, like, cool. Yeah. Like that was it. Like, I, like I was totally confident in her decision-making and, and, like, and part of, and that's kind of part of it too, is like, if that's what you want to, like, who was yeah. going to say, no, don't front squat. You have to back squat. You know what I mean? But um, your body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and kind of what she wants to do and whatever, you know? And so I think like feeding a little bit of that intuition that people have already anyway, is like good. It like reinforces their confidence and their decision-making and what they're doing. And I, th I think it's a much better um, thing, but yeah, it's groups are interesting. Groups are very interesting because um it's, it's, it's just, there's so many variables, you know, and it's like, 
yeah, you can have your, you'd be amazed what, what can happen the second you turn your back within like two or three seconds, like you're not looking and it's just like, so it can be a little chaotic. So yeah, I try to put in sort of safety nets, like you said, I think is a very good description of like, I don't want to say consequences, like I punish them, but it's like, at the end of the day, I just want them to understand, like, you know, if you're going to get strong and you're going to get big. You're, you're 16, you're 17, 18 years old you're just going to get big and strong as long as you come in and lift weights, you know, probably at 60%, at 70%, you guys are going to grow and get strong. So it's like, just, you don't want to be, and we've done very well, you know, so you just don't want to be the guy that like ruins his football career. Cause you got injured in the weight room. It's like such a stupid decision. You know, puberty, puberty is the best trend there is. So it really, it really is. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's sad. It, it's going to work. Yeah. One of the, one of the other things is like, one of, I think I think one of the things that younger trainers kind of think about is like, oh, well, I'm giving my client all the answers. Like it's up to them to do the work. And like they kind of like almost remove themselves from the idea that training should be fun. But like yeah. realistically, like that's one of the worst stances you could take. It's your job to also make sure that they're enjoying themselves or having fun and giving yeah. them decisions like that and giving them freedom, especially for certain personalities, can be exactly what unlocks training from being yep. this thing I was forced to yep. do when I used to run track to being now this is this really fun thing that I get to do to stay healthy. And once you get that mindset switch and they start really enjoying it, I mean, then yep. it becomes fun for everybody. And part of that is our responsibility as trainers. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a good point because uh, I have a, I have a guy that I train um, out of London. He's a sprinter. And with all the respect in the world, the, the, the kid has been extremely neurotic about his training like so hyper-focused on things that i'm just like that is insane that you actually think about those things like while <laughs> like while you're training you know what i mean like i or while you're running down the track i can't believe that you're like actually aware of whatever it is that you know he's saying but it's interesting because he's had a lot of success recently and finally what i i, I kind of did was like i remember i wrote in his new workouts for his phase and i just made it like a fun workout. Like I still slid a little bit of the stuff that I wanted in it. Right. Of like, and my note to him was like, dude, relax and just enjoy the fucking workout. Like that was literally my note to him. Like, please just go do this workout and have fun doing it. And he messaged me after. And he was like, dude, that was like probably the best training session that I've had in years. Because it's like, I had to give him permission to yeah. just lift and just like, kind of be a meathead. And again, I put the exercise, like some subtle exercise variations and things in there that I wanted to sort of get what I wanted to get out of it. But I had to give him like permission to have fun to work out. It was really kind of bizarre, but it, you could key. I mean, just the relief, the anxiety of like, man, that was fun. Yeah. And, and already he's like feeling a lot better. It's like, yeah, because in a sense, like becoming incredibly neurotic about every detail of your training it, 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 it cannot, it can be not good. You know what yeah. I mean? It can, it can really be not good. So, um, yeah. So you, you said that your sort of, your first sort of mentor, uh, was at a PT clinic. Um, what was your experience there? Uh, you know, so how, how did you end up at a PT clinic where they just kind of, was he looking for like a trainer to sort of help with the exercise? Like post, was he like a manual therapist or something? And he needed like, tell us about that. Yeah, so I had um I had just gotten into FRC, so I was just starting it. Um, had no idea what I was doing, 
And uh, then I ended up uh, like, I had like this weird thing where like I would get not even pain, just like a weird sensation on my IT band <laughs> on my right side. So I like hit him up and was like, hey, I have ITB band syndrome, whatever. I, I need help. And I, I went no, there. Clinical self-diagnosis. Yeah, like how perfect, right? <laughs> like what, what, what fourth year personal trainer is not doing that, right? Or third year, whatever it was. But anyway, I- um, Gluteal I amnesia. And, yeah, and he like did some cupping on it, like needled me a few times, like really blew my mind, right? And I'm like sitting on the table and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, I got to work for this guy. This place is amazing. Like he'll let me train here. Maybe, I don't know. So I'm like sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to offer to intern for this guy for free. So then like 15 minutes later, he goes to me, he's like, all right, man, you feel better? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, here, come outside with me. He pulls me outside and he goes, Hey, Ian, um, what do you think if I like, I think it was like a hundred dollars at the point. He's like, would you come work for me as an assistant for a hundred dollars an hour? And I was like, yeah, I think I can make that work. <laughs> and then like a week later, let me check gave, my schedule and get back to you. Yeah. A week later, he gave me the key um, to the gym. So that are the, the, the clinic so that I could train people out of there. Next thing you know, I'm like recruiting all over town, which like he didn't even really want. It was like a one in a million weird situation where like, he wanted me there, but he didn't really want all the things I could do for him in terms of like, I was pretty good at like bringing people in and like really growing the business. He like wanted that, but didn't want it. But anyway, he really did mentor me. He taught me a lot, but like he really took me into things that were good because they made me uncomfortable, but they were really out of my scope. And it was really my first time to like really identify like you legally and just really morally shouldn't do this so like right. I shouldn't be operating the machine that is you know sending electricity as harmful as or as as, as safe as it was you know it wasn't my job I, I didn't have any education towards it he would throw you right into the rigor like day one all right you're gonna cup someone today and it's like it's not that big of a deal you like rub some lotion on it you like make sure it's not gonna suck <laughs> the whole entire back off and you slide up and down like I could do it right now I'd be perfectly comfortable but at the same time, it, it just really threw me in and it really gave me that kind of idea of what it means to be kind of doing too much. We used to do like these lymphatic drainage of the face massages. And that's when I really like re reached my peak kind of with them where I was like, this is going to be too much. I would like kind of avoid it. Like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I would just like somehow snake my way out of it every, because to me, it was like, bring me in, let me be the movement guy. So when they're off of the table, I'm over there. So like, it really was the first time to be like, wow, I'm really good at this. Like I know how to communicate. I know how to make sure this person feels safe. I know how to make sure that they understand what we're trying to do. And I also can be really good at this nuanced stuff that people need early on in rehab instead of just go lift. So I kind of found my niche there and that's what I built on in New York. And then by the time I got to Miami, I was so over that niche because I was so, I'm still so tired of people hitting me up and being like, Hey, will you be my physical therapist? Instead of like, Hey, I just got done with rehab and uh, now I'm pain free, but like I'm struggling getting back into training. Can yep. you help? Like that's where I really, really want to be. And I said that on David's podcast and I literally woke up to four messages of people trying to get me to be their physical therapist. 
And now I'm training one of them and I love them and it's going really well. We just had an amazing session today. So like, it's not that I can't do that. It's that quite literally legally, I'm not supposed to. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I, I, the system in America is broken 10 times over in every different nook and cranny of our systems, but it's yeah, the, the general health, the general health field is, is, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's terrible, but the yeah. way that it really should work in the ideal world is you see a physical therapist, that physical therapist then transitions you to someone who has knowledge of physical therapy, but specializes in training. And then from there, you go your own way, whether it's to performance or whatever it might be, or even just what most people should do is just get competent on their own and then just start training on their own and exploring their bodies and doing whatever they want. Um, so that's, well, those are really the big lessons that I learned there. But um, it, it, the, the other lesson that was really cool there that I definitely have to credit with him is he never stopped learning. He spent so much money on doing every single educational thing he could every weekend. And that was really ingrained with me because to this day, like I'm obsessed with learning. I'm on so many different ways of doing it. I love workshops. I love going in person and um, being able to, for, to see him try to integrate all these different systems and fail every single Monday and then get better by Friday was a game changer because that is the definition of personal training because yeah. you're going to learn a bunch of stuff, throw a bunch of stuff away try to use it. It's going to fail. You're going to bring it back. You're going to have a new client that challenges you in a way that brings back one of those old things that you threw away and thought you were never going to use. And that cycle just happens over and over again as you refine your system. And um, being able to have all those different things to pull from is what I like to call myself now. Whereas like where people used to think of me as, oh, you're the FRC guy. I can't tell you, I'm batting 100% for every single client I've worked with in the past year that has literally come to me at some point, usually really early and been like, so where's all the stretching? So like, wh where's all the pails and rails? And I'm like, do you, do? And, I, and I always say to them, like, what were your goals? And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, did you achieve those goals yet? Or do you feel you're on your way to them? Yeah, all of them. I'm actually farther ahead than I thought. All right, well. Where's the pails and rails needed? Like, I don't really need them. And those things work. I, I love yeah. stretching. I love that stuff. But yep. it's just, you know, either there might not, you might not need it. And I honestly am gotten to a point where I'm able to address so many things with maybe a little bit of positional breathing, pars when you want to do them, and just meat and potatoes strength training done really well. And I, that yeah. checks almost every box. Yeah, it's... um. The rehab, post rehab, blurry lines, gray area, perform like it's it's a messy world, and you just try to manage and do what you can ethically, you know, because um, you know, I I yeah, I I do believe I am better probably in 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 quote unquote, you know, getting people back <laughs> from complete dysfunction than some many professionals. I do, um, so it is hard sometimes to like. To, to, you know, I, that's why I'm like, I, I've also under, like, I've, I obviously understand the importance of a net, the importance of a network. So I do have people that I will refer to that I know will work with me or refer back to me once I see, you know what I mean? Like that will be involved in that process. Like networks are so important, man. People try to do too much by themselves and it's like, build a good network. Like I've gotten so many great clients from, as referrals from other people in the, in the industry. You know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, it's funny that you 
you know, because I'm, I'm still dubbed as the flexible, but I'm trying to rebrand it. Like, I, I like, like, it's just not me anymore. It's not. And it's, it's for the same reason. Like, it's not that I don't believe in stretching or flexibility. I do. It's just my perspective on it has shifted a lot. It's changed a lot. Um, my audience isn't really doing that. Like I have shifted a lot more into, um, you know, I, like I used to very much be in that circle of like gymnastics, acrobatics, callous, like that kind of world um, that I'm not really in that anymore. Um, and so, and, and like my skill set is just greater than just that. And, and for so long, that was like every, every message I got was like, I'm dealing with such and such. Give me a stretch. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, and I was just like, Oh my God, here we go again. Like, it's not that simple. You know what I mean? Um, it's not that a stretch won't help whatever you're dealing with. It's just not that simple. And I just, I, it's, I, I struggle with it. I do struggle with it. Like if I'm being totally honest, because it's like, that's just not really the identity or the brand that I like want to be associated with. It's not that I don't believe in flexibility, range of motion or stretching, dude, I used to be able to touch my head and my toe. Like I understand stretching more than like 99% of people, but I do understand like when it's useful and when it's not, or when it's should be prioritized and probably when it doesn't need to and things like that versus just like holding on to it because it's like a thing that you can sell but I like, but I don't believe in like, in the sense that everyone needs it. I, I, but I also am on the fence of like, it's, it's not waste of time. It's not worthless. It's not making you slow. It's not, it's not doing all the things that a lot of people are also claiming that it is like in a, from a negative standpoint either. Right. So it's like a fuzzy place to be. Um, yeah. I think the wrist, the wrist is the biggest example that I always tell people about that is like, especially with a lot of our, we, we, we teach a course called mobility coach plus. Right. And the plus is like the biggest thing. And the mobility is like just the foundation of it really. Like you're, you're, you come to learn how to stretch. And then by the time you finish the course, you're like, Oh shit. Like I got so many ways to go. I don't even know where to go now, which again yeah. is more that freedom but you're kind of confused in a good way and more so provided additional resources but i think the wrist is the best example for the stretching for the flexibility for the mobility work because when you have the skill set to train mobility to train flexibility you'll never be stumped in a way right because you're going to come you're going to have someone who can't do the push-ups that you want because of the wrist but then you're going to go oh all right well let me show you cars let me show you how to do pails and rails and open up your wrist. And not a lot of, not everybody has that skill set where they might yeah. just go, oh, just forget about it. And yeah, of course, you could do a heel wedge and have their hands in more of a plantar faction and it doesn't matter ever again. So you have those tools too. But when you really have someone who comes to you and they're like, hey, Jeff, I want to learn how to do handstands. You look at the wrists, they're terrible. You're going to need mobility training and stretching at some point. So that's one of those kind of examples that I think yeah. helps a lot of people to, to realize like you don't, because I was almost like that, you kind of go through systems and then you have like this like month or two where you're like, man, forget FRC. FRC yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to look like Dre. Like that's one of the things I hear a like, lot. I don't want to look like Dre. It's like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> but you can still use it. It's still a valuable tool in your toolbox. And then you can do all the other stuff to look how you want to do what you want to do. But like, it's just the baby with the bathwater thing, right? Like, oh, I don't do FRC anymore. Like, luckily that phase for me was very short. And I think what you alluded to or what you, you draw it on about 
the idea that like so much of my business was built in it that I couldn't just throw it all the way out. And yeah. what would be happen is <laughs> I have a good conversation with my brother because he would be like, Hey, uh, you know, like we, we're not doing a lot of mobility. You're not talking about it a lot. Like we should probably talk about it more. I'm like, yeah, but I'm really into this. And then a day later we'd get a, a message and it would be like, Hey, uh, using your mobility training changed my life i couldn't believe my hips and i'm so much stronger i'm like fuck i guess that shit works yeah <laughs> yeah like every time i wanted to pull away it would pull me I know. back be like i'm still valuable so you know eventually i just kept it and uh i use it when i need it which is how you should approach all training in my that's life. a that's that's like like the probably the best point anyone can make right is like it's really just expanding your toolbox yeah. and like, have you ever seen like a master car mechanics toolbox? It's the most insane looking shit you've ever seen in your life. 30 drawers of the most crazy ass tools that you've never seen in your life, but they have had a use for it at some point at one of those tools. And then like a beginner car mechanic, he's going to have his Allen wrench or he's going to have his sockets. He's going to have his breaker. It's going to be a very basic toolkit. But then like the experience of like the master mechanic over the years, he found himself in these like sort of niche situations where like, those things just didn't cut it. And they do happen to have very specialized tools for an instance, even if you only use it once or twice, it doesn't matter. As long as you have it and you're able to help somebody with it, who fucking cares? You know what I mean? And that, and that's like, and that's the same as with stretching. I've had immense amount of success with people stretching a hundred percent. And I would never deny that. And I would never take that away from people because I like, I just have. Right. So, um, but part of it is like delivering what I want and what I'm interested in. And, and also like what I'm capable of delivering, like what tools I may not necessarily be using personally for me anymore, but did help me along the way for myself or for other clients or whatever. And it, it is hundred percent. It's just like the context of like, when is the tool appropriate and when is it not? And, and hope that when you have something that doesn't work, you are able to pivot and shift to something else, no matter how niche the, the design of this tool may seem it is probably going to be useful to someone at some point. Um, so just put it back in the back of your mind and keep it there to draw on later because it will surface. It will resurface at some point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was, that's that a great really, point. That's that a great a, point. That was another really big thing for me is like, I realized that like the same context, you could go two totally different ways. So like I could have someone do a bunch of FRC work and end up where they wanted to. I could have someone do a bunch of breath work and end up where I wanted them to shit, you could have someone who's really stiff and do cardio and end up where you want them to. And I think when you learn more, you always go through that. I don't know anything Dunning-Kruger version. That's like very stressful, very overwhelming, very anxiety producing to be like, what if I don't pick the right constraint for this person? But once you like really go through enough systems and come out on the other end and think to yourself like, hey, I could do a bunch of different things that would help this person. Let me just start with one of them and go from there. And there's even context. If you haven't got to them yet listening, you're going to get to someone where you have something that is what you think by and far the quickest path to their goal. And it's not going to work out because of that person, because yeah. they won't put the towel under their TFL to roll over on because they won't be consistent with the breath work because yeah. the pails and rails are too slow for them or whatever it might be. Their personality is not going to blend well with that approach. So you might have to go with your second or third fastest route, but because they adhere to it, because they actually do it at a high level, that is what gets them to their goals even faster than those first it's two their routes. their fastest route. Exactly. Yeah. And you 
it takes time to understand that. But when you do, you're like, oh, okay. yeah. But I, I think that's the I think that's the primary skill that I try to get a lot of trainers to to understand is like observation and communication, right? Because that's just the bottom line. Is like some people just are not going to be responsive to things simply because they don't fucking want to. Like, and and, and unless you are like even if you're if you're if your reasoning is sound i don't you could bring out a full-on database of you know uh of of like research journals to back your point up and a client can still look at you and go i don't fucking care i don't want to do it that's not what i want to do so i'm not going to do it right and like do you want to lose that person out to the person that's just gonna get you know what i mean like there is an art of observing listening what do they want you know what are they interested in what, what are they interested in? What is going to be fun to them? What is going to be exciting to them? But also like, how do you not manipulate, but like, how do you enter, like, like sort of interject what you also want to get without just like, like seeming like a bully or, or, you know, or like, you're just, you're not willing to compromise. Like, I think like all relationships involve compromise, Always. business relationships, client relationships, whatever, obviously like not a life coach here, but the point is like, in this context of like the client to like trainer relationship, there's always, there's going to be compromise there too, all the time. So obviously you're going to get some clients that just come in and they just listen to whatever you want. You're going to get some clients that will listen to nothing you have to say. And then, but majority of them, there's going to be a bit of compromise both ways. Like, what do you want? What, you know, what can I give you? Okay, cool. You just got to give me this, that yeah, kind of thing. Two, right. Two, two questions I ask every single one-on-one online client. What exercise do you hate? What exercise do you love? I'm going to keep the one you love as long as I can, as long as it makes sense. And maybe even a little bit longer, even if it does make sense, because you love it. And then I'm going to take away the one that you hate and choose a lateralization or another variation, whatever it might be that fits into that same bucket. But you're no longer dreading going to your lower body workout because you're like, ah, I got to do eight sets of five of that like i don't yeah. want to do that you know what i mean like yep. do i think clusters is going to get you the most jacked absolutely are you willing to do 12 sets of deadlifts no all right well i'm going to pick something else because yeah. there's a lot of different ways to get you there i think with a lot of these scenarios that we're talking about an early kind of younger trainer it's just so easy to just go you know what? It's the client's fault. They didn't do anything. They won't do anything. It's just, it's their fault. They didn't listen to anything I said. And it's like, yeah, well, you didn't say it good enough. You didn't listen to what they are saying good enough. You didn't come back at them. And like you said, you didn't compromise because yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Like you said, communicate and compromise. That's how you get to the promised land. Yeah. yeah, And, and you can be like incredibly educated and communicate it well. Like, and, and you can even communicate it in a way where it's like, they go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. They're still not going to do it. So yeah, that's, that's a really freaking good point. Um, you just got to listen to your, your clients, man. You know what I mean? Like, and, and because also if they just like feel like you're not listening to them, they're not going to probably trust you as much anyway. And like, to be honest, if you do give them a little bit of what they want, they're going to become more and more trusting of what you are also kind of trying to put into the mix to get them where they want to go. Because ultimately like, you know, I think what a lot of trainers don't understand is the client is a reflection of you as a product as well. So like the last thing you want to be as a trainer with clients that aren't getting any results or they keep leaving or whatever the situation may be, like it, it, it's like, 
training is not that serious, right? Let's like not take it so seriously. Like it should still be fun, like we said earlier, and they should enjoy it. And like the number one problem in fitness has always been, and is still getting people in the door and keeping them there. That should be your number one priority because you can't make a difference if you can't do that first. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah that's, that's a really good point. So, but this, this actually goes great because it sort of leads us into the next topic. And this is like sort of a topic that I discussed a little bit with my members in my telegram this morning. Um, I want to kind of talk about the differences maybe that you've experienced with sort of like what I'll say more like general or like general commercial fitness training, or maybe like more niche, right? Because you said that you, you deal with a very broad spectrum of clients, which could be seen as general, but I would actually probably consider that to be more niche than maybe someone consider, because if you have such a broad spectrum of clients, each one of them is going to have these very like niche aspects about training those individuals. Like, whereas someone who might work at like a crunch fitness, like most of the population you're going to get, is going to be relatively the same on the same level, the same goals, you know, which are primarily going to be consisting of like a little bit of muscle mass, a little bit of body comp, whatever. Whereas we get into a realm of a little bit more people come to us with these little bit more specialized goals. Like if someone walked into crunch fitness, like I want to do the splits, like no one in there is going to be able to get anyone to split or, or in a lot of, or, you know, I'm coming off a rehab suit, you know, like, I think this is like a kind of where we can get into this little middle, like this bridge is kind of what I call it of, of like sort of rehab, the bridge of post rehab, let's call it post rehab to performance, not necessarily being like NFL, but just performance relating to what the client wants to do with their fitness. Right. Like, um, which, you know, performance to my grandmother is like being able to reach overhead into her cupboards. You know what I mean? So it's like performance is just really task oriented definition. I think it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, what do you think about the skill set difference? Um, I guess to give a little bit more context around the situation, like I guess the, the, con the, the conversation that was sort of going on on my end with a lot of my members was like, they were kind of going back and forth between like starting. And I think this actually sparked from a post from Angus where he was like, you want to learn how to train people, go to your local commercial gym and train as many people as you can get to the, get the two, get the two week certification that they're going to require you to get and just start training people. And some people were like, Oh, is this really like a good idea. Is this really a good message or a bad message? And I was like, I actually agree with it a hundred percent. Because like the baseline uh, population right? They don't really need, like everything is low hanging fruit for these individuals, like anything and everything, even if the worst possible training you could think of in the world is still low hanging fruit for people who are doing nothing, right? So like the best thing that you could do to start learning and making an impact is like to go get a two week certification and start working at your local commercial gym. Um, but I see a lot of them wanting to start to develop a little bit more niche skill sets because maybe they have a certain population of client they are they're wanting to work with that maybe they don't feel like they have the skill set or or you know that's kind of like if i had to give you some context versus just like a to totally uh like open like hmm, niche versus general training that's kind of the conversation that we were talking about um and i'd like to get your take on it cuz i think uh it, it's a good conversation for 
not only veteran like beginner coaches, but also veteran coaches as well. Yeah, yeah I think the commercial gym is uh, is an absolute blessing to start at. Um, I don't think that there's anything like being forced to sell yourself when you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, what a conundrum that is, right? Hey, um, I know you just passed NASM and you just really don't know anything about training, but can you go up to this person on the treadmill, tell them that they run terribly and they need a foam roll for sessions? Yeah, okay, good. Like that experience was like so powerful and makes you so good at selling yourself, answering questions, being wrong. I definitely think that that's the number one thing to do when you're first getting started. And I think that even really experienced coaches like some of the goats in a lot of ways have gone to online training, stopped working with people in person. And you can almost kind of tell where like Bill say something in like a, you know, a, a quote or something on Instagram. You'd be like, man, this guy has not trained someone in a really long time. They, lo they lose perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. Which yep. is really common. But I think, I think we're super common. Yeah, I think working with as many people as possible in that commercial setting is a good way to reverse engineer what you truly want to do, because you might work with the person who's like, hey, I want to do splits and like four weeks in, you're like, man, this sucks. Like, yeah. I'm tired of having them stretch and find the right line of tension. Like, I'd much rather be having them do the med ball stuff. Or maybe you work with athletes. Like, I think the professional athlete is such a good example for this, right? Like, what, especially guys, but like what trainer doesn't start off like, yeah, I'm going to work with professional athletes. And then you train one professional athlete and it's like, got to go in your bio, NBA, NFL, right? But like, it seems like so cool. <laughs> but realistically, this person has 17 trainers. Yeah. They come in after a recovery session, like oftentimes, depending on the athlete, they might suck. It might just suck working with them in a lot of ways. It looks yeah. cool. You know, so like that's a really good way to really illustrate the point is like, man, that's that, that that might not be as good as you think it is. So by gaining this experience, by problem solving and being put in all these different problems, you really learn what you even have in your toolbox by being like, oh, I just opened mine up and it is empty for this person. I need to refer out. I need to ask one of the veterans at crunch who's going to give me a banded rotator cuff exercise so i'm going to need to ask the next person because that didn't work either uh so you know like that's really the best way to do it and then um you know from there i think that's where you find your place that's where you find your culture where you're going to find where you are in the gym are you going to be the flexibility guy there are you going to be the athlete guy are you going to climb uphill like us and have to be the everything guy or at least yeah. the really broad guy that can do a lot of different things? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, starting off with the commercial gym. And one of the things that I think I tell people a lot is so many reps are out there. You could go in your stories. You go in my stories. You could go and see something in all these different places across Instagram and just look at reps of people performing things and learn so much from them. But as soon as you put something up, there's way less people than you'd think that would say, oh, like, let me put myself out there. I see a left knee doing this. I see a right knee doing this. I think the left is the one that did this. I think they're, you know what I'm saying? So like getting the reps in, putting yourself out there yeah. is the best way to do anything in life let alone get good at training. And the, one of the things that I'm realizing more and more, especially in the past few weeks, is like my eye for coaching has improved so much that, again, it doesn't even matter which 
system I'm using, I can look at a hip car and see something at the pelvis, put someone in a hip hinge, see them do the exact same compensation and be like, guess what? Those two are the exact same thing because that's one of the things that I teach about the assessment is like, you're not looking for one thing. You're looking for 10 things that lead in the same direction. And then you want their survey, their feedback, the things that are communicating to you, you want them all to go in a direction. And that's when you go into your toolbox and say, let me use this so I can go at that problem in that way. Because I've really solidified it because we all know 50 things are contributing to it. But if 10 different things point in the same direction, I feel really confident moving in that direction. Just like learning from 10 different systems that go, hey, you know, you should probably learn how to flex and extend your spine before you like go crazy rotating it, right? All right, cool. I've heard that from six different systems. I used it, it worked. And I, I trained a little bit of rotation on the side because I don't want to believe in, in in everything they say anyway. I'm a skeptic. So it all works out. Got it. You got to be a bit of a healthy skeptic, even of yourself. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical. People think I'm like, I'm like constantly skeptical of myself, not in an unhealthy way where I'm like not also confident in what I do, yeah. but I do have to like just step back and be like, and just look. And just look and make sure that I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I like, you don't want to like, just be like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm shitty. Like, it's like, that's not healthy for anybody, you know, like, but you should just be willing to be open to ideas and change and alternatives and whatever, because again, you may never know when you're going to need them. Right. Yeah. And it's better to be open to them and like have them there than to just reject them all together. And then you get someone where it's like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. Let's, I want to do something else. And you're like, well, this is what I do. So too bad. <laughs> yeah. I think one, you know of the, I mean? <laughs> one of the things that I've been really skeptic on lately that feeds into this conversation nicely is like when you're putting together someone's program, say they have six days, right? You know, you have upper body lifting, you have a little bit of cardio, you have some mobility work. You might be doing something like flowability, stuff like that. And week after week, you look at one of those qualities and go, well, I chose this because it's going to lead to this. And they're not getting that. Yep. That's when a really good example of when you have to be skeptic on yourself and you say, is it even worth doing this one day a week? Or is it not really going to give them much of anything? And I should just double down on another quality, yeah. a sure thing, you know, or should I give them a day off? Should I tell them to go play basketball or go for a walk or go surfing or do something else, you know? So it's like, you're putting together this masterpiece, but like you have to really look and be like, am I using the wrong paint on Thursday? Because that might not yeah. even be doing anything. And now I'm just wasting an hour of their time. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest decision to make because, you know, there's a million reasons why it might not be working for them. But like we said, the end result, it's not working. So what are we going to do to change it to make sure it is working? Yeah. Yeah. And just be willing to see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's that's why programming is such an interesting topic for me because so many people have come to me and be like, Jeff, please do like a course on programming. And I go, it's fucking impossible. <laughs> like it is impossible because I can A, give you all the same bullshit that everyone else gives me. Sets and rep schemes and percentages and intensities and styles and like straight sets and uh pyramid sets and descending and ascending and all this other shit that everyone gives you anyway. And then you're probably borderline, like, like likely to get sued by somebody because someone steals your, you know, and all this other shit, or it's like, 
let's just go through the infinite amount of context of how I design programs and why I design programs for people and why I've been doing it that way for 12 years. Because it's like, you have, like, I feel like you have to get people to see things a certain way. Like I I'm trying to like, I'd rather sell you perspective. I don't really want to sell you like this thing, but at the same time, like perspective can be kind of hard to sell. Yeah. Right. But I feel like that's really what you are selling. Cause I really feel like a lot of us are saying a lot of the same things, but we're really, it's just like, this is my perspective on the situation. Like this is where I see things from. And this is why I see things this way. Um, which I think people appreciate a lot. Right. Um, because I'm, I'm saying with you, man, I've done it all. You know what I mean? We're talking DNS, PRI, FRC, um, like fucking everything. You know what I mean? Like, like everything that's out, that's, that's like the most popular recently. Did a little bit of the flowability stuff. Did, have done Poliquins, you know, like the, all anyone who's on teenage, like, you know, West side, like I've done it all and I use all of it in some capacity somewhere at some point at some time you know, every exercise variation, making up new exercises. So it's like teaching programming is such like a hard, like you said earlier, you kind of just have to either a just commit to be like, this is the most simple way that I look at things and do things and just do this. Or you kind of have to go into the route of like mentoring where like you can sit down and you can have contextual discussions about what kind of clients are you dealing with? What's the situation you're dealing with? Oh, well, this is what I would do. This is how I would do it. And this is why I would do it because I see this as a, this problem and blah, blah, blah. Like, like I kind of, you kind of have to do it one way or the other. I don't really think that there's like, yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of me like thinking through my head of, of, of so like my, programming because programming is like, oh my gosh, you know. My, my answer <laughs> for that is why you need to hire a coach that you love. So like you have someone that, that you look to as a mentor, you hire them one-on-one. I, I do this all the time. I love working with coaches, you know, so like you give them their program, they mess it up. They come in, they have all these questions. They want to know why you explain it to them. You take them back through it. They feel it. Then they go, wow, this was game changer for me. They see a client, they do it with them. Their client asks them a question. They're like, I have no idea why they asked that or how, what that means. Let me ask you the next session. They do their next session with you. Yeah. The program progresses. They get to see, oh, why wow, you started me with this and then you did this. So like, that's really it. And, and that's why with training and with coaching and mentoring, you have to take that long-term approach, which is yeah. why I don't want to work with anybody if you're not ready to commit to 12 weeks, because it's like the way yeah, that I'm going to train you, that's is how I do it. it's going to promote a long-term growth and a really life change, not and it's... just let's put you through some stuff. Yeah. And it's like an ebb and flow. It's like, it's your, it's almost like you're, it's like you're building like a neural network and you're like, you're like establishing like neural connections at first where it's like, they start off very like simple, but then like things start to ebb and flow and you change things because they're dealing with this or this didn't work. It's like, that's how it, a program should go. You know what I mean? I have, I have people on, you know, four or five, six days a week of stuff. Some people don't two days. Some people don't three days. Some people don't full body. Some people don't split. Some people don't upper lower. Some people don't your typical, like I use it all and I've done it all. It just depends on who I'm, I'm dealing with. Fortunately, I think I've just built a toolbox and a tool, like a set of tools that I can give a lot of people what they want and what they need. That's more on the one-on-one. -on -one. My membership, I would not attempt to do that. That would be impossible. But like for one-on-one -on -one training, I'm, I'm, I'm very dynamic in who I can train and who I can deal with. Um, which is fun because it, because I, I, 
I do think it does give a lot of perspective and it's at least less biased than if you're just dealing with, you're the person that trains baseball players all the time. If you train baseball players all the time, you're going to see the same thing all the time. And the solutions are likely probably to be X for those, that population of people all the time. But when you get this person, what do you do? Because then their whole model just gets flipped upside down because they're now dealing with a football player or whatever, you know, Um, which I've always known like regression and progression of exercise variations to be like a probably the most useful tool that anyone can have. Like, I think if you take the model of, of movement patterns, like, you know, you can think of traditional ones of like vertical pressing, vertical pulling, horizontal pressing, horizontal pulling, a squat, a hinge or whatever, whatever, like greater classifications you want to give exercise. And then you just have like progressions and regressions of those subsets and it, or, or you have like progressions that serve as like subsets of those main things. And it's, um, that's what I've really appreciated about. It's funny because like, I talked a, bit, a little bit about this with Angus on his podcast, but there seems to be this weird thing with like this expansion compression crowd where there's a bit of a divide because I feel like half of them get lost in the weeds. And it's like, I don't understand where you're getting all this complexity from because when I got introduced to that system, and like at first it was complex, right? But then once it clicked, I was like, it simplified everything. It was like a light bulb went off and I was like, whoa, this is crazy because it just, it kind of pulled everything that I've ever been exposed to in fitness and it just pulled it all together and made it all make sense. Like that was the sort of what I got out of it. And that's sort of like what Angus got out of it. But then I feel like there's also this, you know, even like Pat Davidson, I feel like has a very simplified version of what he learned from Hartman. And it just makes sense. Whereas then you see a lot of people where it's just like, I don't even think you understand what you're saying. I don't even think you understand what you're talking about. And it, it is a little, it is bizarre. And it could kind of get pulled into that circle and be like, oh, well, this model sucks. And these people are just, they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. They're using like a foreign language and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but, but I understand it. Like I, but I can also simplify it down and like explain it in simple concepts and like analogical speaking and like i can you know speak to you in a way that you it's very elementary to understand whereas yeah i, I understand what you're saying because if i read half of today i'd be like what are these guys talking about this sounds crazy but then i go to hartman and he's like here you know some of his best videos are like having problems with your bench press it's like try this and then yeah. go back to bench pressing where then like the other then there, there's a part of that crowd that's like don't bench press it compresses your shoulders and you'll ruin your shoulders forever and it's just like it's just a really bizarre it's just so bizarre. <laughs> like fitness in general is bizarre, but yeah, it's funny because um, like that's the system. I guess I kind of claim like that. I say I gravitate to just because it just, I don't know. It was like, I had like a singularity, a moment of singularity where everything just came together all at once. And I was like, ah, yeah. um, you mean, know, it's, it's pretty binary. You compress, you expand, you IR, you ER. So it's kind of like it does simplify some things, you know? So, it, yeah. And it's not to say there aren't flaws. Yeah. You know, but it's like no system's perfect. You know what I mean? We don't, none of us understand any, like everything there is to know about everything. Like, we know, like it doesn't matter how much of a, prof, you know, how professional you are or anything. I mean, even the greatest minds of all time didn't understand they were still questioning a lot of things, you know, trying to understand. It's like, that's okay. It's okay to like, as long as, as long as I think is it allows you to observe and just make better decisions. That's really the ultimate goal is like, can I observe what's in front of me? And does my decision-making process become more effective and more efficient over time? Yeah. 
as long as you're doing that, you're going to be okay. Clients are going to understand you're going to mess up. Clients are going to understand you're going to fail. And a lot of them are willing to go through the process as long as you're just forthcoming and honest. Like, yeah, I don't really understand. Like, let me kind of figure this out. Let me run this through my head. Let me look at the, but like, yeah, that was, that's been sort of my experience with, with that system in general. And it's just like, it's funny how, because I laugh because I look at like this system, whoever claims this system, whoever claims this one and this one, and they're all fucking arguing. Right. And they're all bickering back and forth. And I'm like, you do realize you guys are like literally talking about the same thing. You guys are on the same side. The only thing that you're arguing about is what word you're using to describe the thing. But otherwise you guys are, you guys are on the same team. It's like, it's so funny. Um, because that's basically what it did for me. It just helped me realize like everyone's on the same team and everyone's pretty much talking about the same thing and has, has observed the same things, whether they really know it or not. And that's, that's sort of what it did for me. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's funny to watch. It's just Good funny one. to watch. It yeah. Is. Um, so obviously with COVID you had, you know, all of us had to go online. <laughs> um, but well, in Florida, we've been okay, but you know, what was, what did online teach you and why, and what has, what has returning to in-person taught you as well? So online taught me um, that it's possible that you can really, really change lives and make a lot of progress online. I think there's actually certain things that are beneficial online. Like for example, even though you can film, you can do that. It's kind of almost nice on Zoom sometimes to just screenshot, say, all right, I'm gonna share my screen, come look. You know, it's almost like, even though you could just sit down in the gym and go over like a five minute learning lesson about something, I feel a little bit easier doing it on the computer and, and, and breaking something down. And like, I'll use the hip hinge, for example, again, someone's hip hinging, uh, I say, turn away so I can see your pelvis. So I take a screenshot of it. They come back and I go, do you see how your hips hiking? Go, oh, that's exactly what I, what I was thinking. All right, cool. And they immediately go fix it. So yeah. I do think that there are benefits to some of the Zoom stuff. The other thing is like people hate Zoom, but like the difference between giving someone a program and then giving someone a program and doing Zoom sessions is like, I mean, it is monumental. Like, I mean, just I gave someone a program uh, a week or two ago, um, you know, dealing with like really bad sciatica, uh, they got like, uh, you know, scoliosis. And like, I was really, I thought this program was amazing. And um, he felt really good. And he was doing really well. And then I see his stuff on zoom. And I'm like, all right, like, I can make every single thing you're doing better. And by the end of that session, it was like a completely different person just going through everything, the little cues, little details, with so much of the stuff I do, the nuance matters so much. And the cueing and the coaching matter so much. So like something as simple as like your weights over your heel versus your midfoot. I mean, that changes everything, you know? So being able to do that online is so much more possible. Plus like, just like everything we've been talking about being in person with someone and being able to talk to them and build that relationship. You can do that on zoom. It is very much possible. Most of my long-term clients, we almost don't do any exercise. We get on there and 45 minutes goes by and we've just been talking and having a good time. And for me, I'm getting paid to hang out with someone I really like. So we're just yeah. vibing anyway. And then the last 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, crap. By the way, what do you want to do for your program updates? How many days do you have? You know, so Zoom is totally possible to make a ton of progress. 
going back in person, I realized how much I missed it. Um, I realized how much of my health I was getting from training people. So the idea of walking to the gym, walking around the gym, picking up weights, um, you know, do showing an exercise or two, just being out of the chair and just moving so much more, um, coaching someone sitting in the 9090, uh, coaching someone sitting on a slant board, like they don't even know it, but I'm hitting some pails and rails, right? When I'm doing, you know what I mean? So like yeah. a lot of those things I really missed. And um, obviously just something that I knew before and after the pandemic, but like when I, ha when I'm there and I can just put my hands on someone, it just, it's, it's a cheat code, you know, like not doing manual therapy, but being like, like it's feedback. Yeah. Especially at the pelvis, yeah. just be like, I'll literally just gently put my hand on someone's pelvis and turn them a little bit. And it's just a totally different exercise. So um, yeah, those are the things that I learned and uh, I'm happy it's over because, you know, being in person, I'm just so, so passionate about it. Just being yeah. one of people, it truly feels like what I was meant to do. I enjoy the online stuff. I obviously want to scale my business and reach more people, but there's never going to be something that, uh, that replaces being one-on-one -on -one with someone. Yeah. hundred percent. When I, when I booted up the seminars here at strength culture, it just was a reminder of how important those connections are. You know, some I've made lifelong friends, yeah. um, in person in this industry because you just meet people and you just build connections with people on a level of trust and, you know, um, that's really the best part. It's like really the best part. And, and, and yeah, you can obviously have a vast influence on, on a lot of people online. Right. But you can have a really life-changing intimate, um, um, you know, influences on people in person. Like you just really can't, like nothing will ever replace it. Nothing will ever replace it. Same thing, um, same thing with the in-person learning, you know, like a mentorship can be a game changer and being in yep. the Zoom, 40 people can be awesome. But like, like you said, you can go to a workshop, go to a weekend thing. And like the person you met there could be worth the price of admission just by being with that person. I, I've had 100%. That. In most cases it is. Yeah. yeah. I've had like homies that I still like we're really close with. And uh, it was because we sat next to each other and got paired up at a workshop, you know? So yep. those, those moments are valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. And since we're talking about that, let's go ahead and, and, you know, we'll probably have to end this here soon. Um, I'm sure we both got kids to tend to and things to do, but um, let's talk a little bit about the workshop coming up. So it's May 20th and 21st here at Strength Culture. This will be the third official workshop um, here at Strength Culture in a year. Um, and I'm very excited. Um, I think it's gonna come really well off of David's, which was back last, uh, late August, early September. And then Angus's, which was in February. Um, and then you're going to be here. So briefly kind of let people know, like, what are you coming up here for? You know, like people want to know, Hey, what am I, what am I going to go up there for? What am I going to do? What am I going to learn? What can I expect? Um, and yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the workshop is called the spectrum. Um, it's uh, a general name on purpose, but it gets really specific when you're in there. So the idea of really like everything we've been talking about, the toolbox, you're learning all these different tools across the spectrum so that you can solve your client's problems. Unlike a lot of workshops, I'm basically doing almost zero, zero lecture. So the format is everybody's there. I take one person, I coach them through a few exercises. You see it. And then I go and I turn around, I coach you. 
then all of a sudden your partner and you coach each other. And the way that we think about it is like you actually learn it that way. We encourage everybody to film the whole thing, especially your reps that you get individually with a person. So by the time you leave the workshop, you've already got a full assessment of yourself and someone else. And you've gone through all of the exercises and problem solving to solve those problems and achieve those goals for each person. Um, it's really total body. We go through uh, a ton of stuff. There's a mobility class on Sunday. So I kind of dive in to kind of uh, go through some of that stuff. We talk a lot in the class about how you would address, like we said, group fitness. Certain people might need a different variation of this exercise. How can you communicate it between the two of them where they both feel like they're getting their needs and not demeaned in any way by regressing or progressing? Yeah. Um, and really just coaching at the highest level, honestly. Like there's so much legit coaching on going on like hands-on um learning the hinge learning uh squat variations uh you know learning how to, how to address clients with the breath work is another huge thing that a lot of people take away uh like 50 percent of the people that came to the new york one like that was their biggest thing they were like i really want to learn how to go through the breath work and uh it's cool a lot of them have messaged me since and said you know like this was a game changer just kind of simplifying it you know giving you something that you can apply on monday yeah, because I, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of diagram or diaf diagram, diaphragm, this, ribcage, that, pelvis, this, and like people are just like, okay, like, what do I do with the information, right? Yeah. Like, like, my clients not like, or, or how can I, how can I implement this in a way that the client buys into it, right? Because like, if I put them in a 99, a, a, you know, a prone position breathing or a side, like, why am I doing that? What's the exact, I think that that's a good I think that's great. I think it's great that you're going to go over that because it does seem like I I could see how it would seem like eyewash to people, yeah. but I also understand that there is value there. Um, conceptually and practically, you know, just understanding shapes and shape change and why it's important and why it's not just important for like being healthy, but like, or, you know, not in pain or whatever, but also for like getting strong because like understanding how that, you know, I think like, I think it is still one of those things that it's hard for like strength coaches to really buy into or understand because they do kind of see it as like super low, you know, like just low intensity sort of, you know, eyewash, I guess was the word that I use. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be exciting to see how you integrate that because that's, I think that's the question. It's not necessarily even like, oh, I don't understand why it's important. It's how do you integrate it into what you're doing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the eye thing and being able to really see it. And like you said, yeah. shape is a really good word, you know, like you can really look at, for example, like you see someone's sternum is like always pointed down. Maybe they have rounded shoulders. Like how many people are you going to meet that, that fit that description? So many of them. And then you say to yourself, all right, well, they, they want to gain muscle. All right, well, I'm going to pick a press. Right. And then they do a press. And you're like, how's that feeling? Even if they don't have pain, they might say to you like, yeah, it's good. I, I feel my triceps. You're like, well, we're doing chest press. Like, you don't feel your chest? It's like, well, not really. And it's like, well, your chest isn't stretching because you can't expand your chest at all. So it's right. really a prerequisite. And just cranking on their shoulders, stretching their chest is not going to be uh, the move. And it's also going to take way more time to stretch than to get someone to do, you know, two sets of five really good breaths. Yeah. And I had that exact situation happen today where 
you know, someone came in and uh, they were like, oh man, I've been doing the chest press and I can feel my whole entire chest stretching and I'm so sore. And it's like the only thing we did that was different than what you've been doing for five years was put you in an inverted position with a specific hand positioning to get you to fill up your chest with air. And just by explaining that while up front, it might seem like this crazy thing. You can see someone and be like, bro, your sternum's facing the ground. You can't breathe into your chest when I watch you. So let me just put you in a good position. Take five breaths, chest opened up. Let's go lift like we were going to anyway. Now you're getting stronger. You're stretching the muscle that you actually want to use. When it stretches, it contracts better. And now you're really sore and your chest yeah. is going to grow. It all feeds into each other. and that's Just tying in those concepts. Yeah. yeah. People don't get it. They think, oh, well. Uh, I still, I already sleep well. It's like, yeah, probably not if you're not breathing that well, but you know, okay, cool. You'll still be able to breathe better, which you can recover better, which you can train better, train more, you know, it all feeds in, it's all tied together. And, uh, you know, breath work as a trainer, it, it doesn't have to be, but it certainly is more than when do I inhale and when do I exhale? Yeah. And that's what we teach you in the most simplified way. I'm excited to see you integrate it. I always, I always, that's my, I love seeing how people integrate things. And I love how, I love seeing how people within the same relatively shared circle integrate the same things differently. Yeah. I just love it. Again, it comes back to perspective. I just like seeing what you see, that's right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm very excited about that. So some breathing stuff, you know, I, like, I don't want to simplify what you do. So just correct me if I'm like, you know, if I'm like, okay, that's not exactly it. It's a little bit more, but you know, some breathing stuff you know, sort of the uh, conceptual understanding of why it's important, as well as the practical understanding, how to integrate it into everything that you need to do. Because, you know, from the day we, we take our first breath to our last, we're breathing all the time. Kind of important. Um, mobility work. So you're going to go over sort of your, your sort of approach, again, conceptually and practically to mobility, how you apply it, why you apply it, that sort of thing. And then are you going to go into any sort of uh, strength training uh, concepts at all? Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah that's a very yeah. well-rounded, very well-rounded. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. That's why, that's why we don't do so much lecture, honestly, because or well, one of the main reasons, because there really is so much stuff in it. You know, we try to give you as much as you can, encourage you to film it and then give you the resources when you leave to kind of follow up on it. Uh, but yeah, to me, another really big part of the workshop is how to use strength training to promote all the other stuff. Promote it. Yeah. There is a there is a way to that keep you, the shapes that you restore. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, we have a, a lot of cable exercises that we use that like everybody always hits me up about and loves. Um, you know, I had a client uh, yesterday that was like, man, I've never had my back ribs so sore. And it's really funny to have like your back ribs get really sore in your upper back without doing any scapular retraction, which is like kind of like a big light bulb moment for a lot of people. Yeah, so that's a big part of it. Training the obliques. Um, you know, we kind of have like we go over a lot of the beefcake stuff and how to do that at the higher level. When I say beefcake, I mean more like bilateral incline press, chest press how to like go about some of that stuff. But then even more importantly, what I really like to do in terms of a general kind of programming guideline is like, you might have that one beefcake day where you're really going like max effort as heavy as you can, blah, 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 you know, maybe some lower reps, but then you also have another day where you're still training strength, but it's in a way that promotes restoration, improving mobility, um, improving movement options yeah. and moving more in line with what you would think of as gait 
or I don't want to say functional, maybe primal, maybe gait's probably the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a that's the buzzword right now is like movement and how it relates to gait. I think people can think with that. I think that's I, I think the gait model applied to training is I think it works freaking well. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you know everybody's gonna walk away. You know, it's really that simple. That's the thing. Everyone is going to breathe. Everyone's going to walk away. So if you don't have those two considerations in your training about improving those baseline qualities, or at least making sure that your training doesn't take away those two strategies, then you need to reconsider that. You know what I mean? There should be yeah. some thoughts of that. It doesn't have to be everything, which is why it's called the spectrum because we address yeah. it all, but it, it should be something you're considering. I like it. I like, I like hearing how practical it's going to be i think give the people what they want man we're movers we're trainers we yeah. want to we want to move we want to train we want to feel we want to be active we want to do stuff like i love lecture as much as anybody but i want to get in there i want to get my hands dirty you know what i mean that's exactly what we do we'll save the lecturing for this kind of thing where we just sit here and talk to each other for hours and if people really want to <laughs> listen to it great but i think when people travel a long way and you know whatever like, come on, man. Like, I want to feel like I did something. I, I want to feel like I earned those beers that we're going to go out and get afterwards. You know what I mean? <laughs> well said. Yeah. So, Ian, uh, just to kind of wrap this up. So, again, May 20th and 21st. Um, that's here at Strength Culture in Clearwater, Florida. Um, I'm freaking looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um, where can people find out more about you? Um, and more about the event specifically as well. Um, so that way, when people listen to this podcast, and they want to sign up. Where can they go do that? Yeah, so uh, just hit me up on Instagram. Send me a DM. It's uh, E-N-I-A-N-M-A-R-K-O-W. So at Ian Marco, just send me a DM and say Clearwater. Or say I listened to the podcast with Jeff. I'll send you the link, get you all set up. Um, if you want to go directly to it, you just go to our website, marcotrainingsystems.com. You'll see a workshop tab. You can just pull it down. Um, we're about to add uh, Boston, Vancouver, and I think San Diego. So if you're in those places too, um, those should be live relatively soon. Um, so yeah, yeah. And just Instagram is really the best spot. We're all over YouTube. We're all over Instagram. And um, we post some stuff on Facebook, but Facebook sucks. Yeah. yeah, guys, um, you know, I can't stress enough how much value I can guarantee you anyone's going to get out of this workshop. I know I'm going to get value out of the workshop. Um, not that I'm anything special, but I know I'll get value out of it. Um, and I know you can too, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of like what we touched on this. I think the one thing that's always going to set you apart is just willingness and eagerness to learn, get out, learn new things. Um, it's the, it's the best investment you can make as a trainer, hands down, 100%, get out in the world, meet the people, um, that you look up to and respect and want to learn from, get there, get face to face and get around other people that want the same experience. That's really going to be, um, how you set yourself apart in this industry. Um, and man, this content, I'm, I, I can't like integration, I think is one of the main things people look for because I think everyone can get the philosophy and the, and the, like I said, the concepts and they can go, okay, that's great. I understand this, but what do I do with the information? Like how many of us have read self-help books and we read it and we're like, wow, that was so great. I feel so amazing. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that's really what people look forward to. And um, just based off of what we've talked about and kind of your approach and how this workshop is going to go down, 
it sounds like people are going to get busy. It sounds like people are going to leave sore, uh, feel worked out. Um, and, and also like, you know, for lack of a better term, enlightened with a lot of things to probably think about and start integrating on Monday, which is like, man, what a great feeling to be able to leave somewhere, yes. to pick up clients on Monday or Tuesday. Maybe, you know, it is Florida. Maybe you take an extra day, you hit the beach, whatever. But when you get back to your clients that week, stuff you can start working with right away. Um, I don't think there's any better value than that. So I'm very, very excited. And I'm very much looking forward to meeting you and having you here. Um, I think your brother's right. I think we we're we're gonna we're gonna hit it off, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, I think it's gonna be a great time, guys. So if nothing else, I can guarantee you it will at least be a great time. So yeah. come yeah. through, come by. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And we will get you on here again. Maybe we maybe we'll do a post workshop uh, little yeah. podcast to just kind of talk about what we learned or you know what happened and and what we learned and what kind of fun we had and, and just kind of catch up maybe after the workshop. But other than that, guys, go to his website, go to his Instagram, Ian Marco, Ian Marco Training Systems, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Welcome to the Strength Culture Podcast. I hear him chat from the noise, move too quick, can't stop for the talking. I hear him chat with the boys, man so tough, but must keep caution.